This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, a good Sunday morning. Well, it could have been good, except we are now in the early stages of another war in Israel. You know, we were dealing with over the last year more now with Ukraine and Russia, and now we have you know, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, the fifth uh, war since 2007 when uh, Hamas took over uh, the government in in Palestine. So you and I talked about having a show today to talk about this issue. Right. And I thought about it, and I, I think I want to establish some ground rules for our conversation today just and see if you agree with it. Number one, every thought leader in the world, Rhodes Scholar, Nobel Prize winner, you know, from Jimmy Carter on and even before, I've tried to figure out a solution for this situation, and no one's come up with it, and we certainly aren't going to come up with it today. Secondly, I'd like to share with our listeners, because it's a very confusing, complicated, you know, issue that's been going on for thousands of years, literally. Um, and, And so I want to try to share facts, and then if we have opinions or our own personal thoughts on this, I think we ought to, you know, state them as such. But I I thought it would be good as a former professor and someone who's traveled to more than 100 countries and have been in that region, I'd like to share some general facts that people may not know. Sure. You know, because as John Adams said, facts are stubborn things. And this conversation gets very emotional for a lot of people, who, no matter what side they're on. Nobody likes civilians being killed, babies being killed, innocent people being killed, and that's what's going on. And so it's easy to point blame in either. So I want to share some facts and then talk about some, some benchmarks of what happened. And then we can, I think, you and I can discuss, you know, what ought to be done and, and how do we move forward from this? And is there a solution or is this just going to go on forever? This is not unlike in, in some of its dynamics what happened in Ireland. Right. You know, between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And, you know, the only... The only thing that we've come to to this point after all of this tumult, as we would say, from, you know, 1947 and on and even before that, before the state of Israel was formed in 1948, has been a one-state solution or a two-state solution. Right. And for our listeners, that may even be confusing. And I want to talk a little bit about what that means, because those are the only two options that seem available, and they both have a lot of flaws to them. You know, it's, it's like choosing the best of the worst, which one of the two are you going to have the, the, you know, the, the, the least amount of problems with? You're going to have problems sure. with either one of the solutions. So if that's agreeable to you. It is. You know, we're going to have a serious conversation about this. this is not, you know, we like to joke and kid around on the show. This is not something to well, joke or kid around about. But, but I think it's important, you know, for people anywhere and for our listeners to, you know, get a better understanding and not just react to the headlines they're seeing. It's hard not to. But I think it's important to establish so we're taping this on the 17th of October, okay? Correct. So, so things may change by the time this airs on Sunday. Second thing is, is that we're both Jewish Americans, born and bred, both of us on the East Coast, move, live in Montana, now you almost 30 years, me 10 years, right? So right. The, the thing that I'd like to accomplish is, in addition to talking about the politics, the policies, is just the human the humanity, the humanity of this, right, and how this impacts us as Jewish Americans, and uh, what I would like to share 
my experience is, and I'd like to hear your experience too. Back after this. Arnie Sherman, we are back. Okay, so let me let me begin with a sort of an overview. I don't want to make this into a lecture, and I want to stay away from, you know, data or statistics that, that may be fraught with, uh, you know, whose side are you on? I mean, Winston Churchill once said politicians use statistics like drunks use lampposts, more right. for support than illumination, right? And uh, I'm going to try to stay away from all that. But let me put this in the pro- proper perspective. There are 8 billion people in the world. There are 2.4 billion Christians. There are 2 billion people that follow Islam. And there's 16 million Jews. That's 0.2%, 0.2% of the world's population. 84% of them live in two countries, the United States and Israel. There's only 16%, about a million and a half people in the whole rest of the world that are Jewish or even partially Jewish, because it's a little stretched, the 16 million. I've been to many countries where, they, where most of the people have never been in the vicinity of a Jewish person, have no idea, in parts of China, in parts of Indonesia, in uh, you know, the, uh, some, of the, uh, you know, some of the emerging places in Africa. There's, there's no Jewish population of any size. And even in the United States, the po- Jewish population are sort of in clustered, most of them are in California, New York, Florida, Chicago, you know, Illinois. And, and, and then when I went away to college in Cincinnati, I had people come up to me and said, I've never met a Jew before in Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. You know, so it's a very small number and it hasn't grown much. I mean, you know, 16 million is, is, is relatively small. The state of Israel which was formed in 1948 by, uh, after the British mandate was over. The British had occupied it for a while. And in fact, historically, as you know, that small area, the size of the state of New Jersey, right. has been occupied by, um, you know, the Romans, they, the Greeks. Uh, you know, in, in ancient times, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, they had a number of kingdoms that had gone through the area, of, you know, of the ancient eras. You know, all of those... Uh, the Ottoman Empire was there. You know, the Crusader Kingdom of Jerusalem. I mean, we went on and on and on. And almost all of the battles in that area and the, the changing of hands were, were religious-based battles. My religion is better than your religion. My beliefs are better than your beliefs. And, you know, the Crusades came along and we're going to make everybody Christian. And then, you know, in 610, uh, Muhammad was born and, you know, and founded uh, the Islam, uh, you know, faith. Right. I mean— the Jewish faith is 57, this year is 5784, and they're about 2,000 years old. So this is a conflict that's gone on for a long, long time, and it's not going to be, you know, easily resolved. You know, when Israel, I won't go into the whole history of what happened, but as a reaction, I think, uh, by the world community to the atrocities of World War II in Germany, they wanted to form a state where Jews who were homeless or couldn't return to their home could migrate to, and, and uh, there was a whole, a whole lengthy process in which Israel was, that space, that particular piece of land was chosen by the rest of the world and allowed Israel to, you know, establish itself. And, after, and, lose, after six million, six to eight million people, right, well, the number? Yeah, six million plus died. In, died. In, you know, were, were, were killed. Eradicated, killed. I was in, in World War II. I was in, a, I was in uh, Belarus. And there's a cemetery there, and it's row after row after row of not graves, 
of little outlines of, of a house, and on the inside it says the name of the village and the date in which the entire village was killed, destroyed, burnt to the, everybody killed. So it's not just individuals. They went and systematically destroyed. You know, and the world felt a strong reaction to that once, once you know, they saw what the Auschwitz and, and Bergenwald and all these other concentrations camps. Arnie, so, right, you were talking about Auschwitz. Yeah, and so the world reacted to that. But upon its independence, almost immediately they became embroiled in conflict with the uh, five Navy bring Arab states. Right. And in May of 48, there was a war already. And so this, this area, I'm not going to go into all of the different conflicts, but from the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, on and on and on, the Christian war, it's always an area of conflict over this thing the size of the state New of Jersey. Jersey. Right. And what you now have is 9 million Jews in Israel, 2 million Palestinians in the Gaza, surrounded by 500 million Arabs. And some incredible. Of them, yeah, and some of them, like Hamas, which has a military wing, you know, and emerged from the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt in the 1920s, are sworn to the destruction of Israel. So there's a false equivalency that somehow these two countries, you know, should get along or, you know, they're both interested in the same thing, peace and democracy. Democracy basically doesn't exist in most of the Arab world, as we know. Right. So people who are not familiar with the region say, well, you know, you should allow this country to live and this country. They have a different agenda. They have a different set of rules. They have a different interest level. And even in the old in, older days when... Uh, Arafat was running the peace talks. He said no and rejected every single peace deal that was offered. My belief, and others, this is not facts, this is a belief, is that the Gaza and that area serves a clear purpose for the overall Muslim political agenda. You know, they want someplace where they could have conflict going on, it doesn't really affect 900, 498 million of them. There's 2 million. There's 2 million. And my only reason for that is, in my own logical mind, I'm sure there's people that have more complicated ways of looking at it, is if the, the Arab world was really concerned about the plight of 2 million Palestinians, they would be doing a hell of a lot more. I mean, the Egyptians put up a border they can't even get out of. They won't, they won't let them go to emigrate to Egypt, which is different. They border the, the, you know, the ocean, Egypt, and Israel. That's where the gods are surrounded. Gaza is, right. Won't let them in. Nobody else wants them. Nobody else is uh, offering them a space the size of, you know, it's, it's the size of Washington, D.C., where they're living now. Nobody else is doing any of that other than allowing, giving them money to fight Israel. It's sort of their Trojan horse, and as far as I'm concerned. And most of those two million people that are living there they're not interested in strife. They want peace. No, but here's what's interesting that happened. In 2006, it was an election. The Palestinian allowed to choose their leaders, and they were so concerned about corruption <laughs> that they chose Hamas to take over the government. 
Now, I don't, I don't know whether Hamas is more corrupt or less corrupt or not corrupt. They're getting $100 million a year at least from the Iranians. I don't know if it's all going to what it's supposed to go for, but whatever. But there's not been another election in the last 17 years. <laughs> but I, I read a recent poll, and again, this is all subject to, you know, interpretation analysis. It says 53% of the Palestinians still want Hamas to run things. Wow. Even so, after. Yeah. They're not corrupt. They're just so murderers. how do you define a country? If they elect a certain kind of leadership and the leadership's sworn objective is to destroy the neighboring country, you know, how do you do that? Now, now I don't want to just make this a beat-up session on Arabs and, and Palestinians. You know, Jews have made mistakes. They haven't handled everything well. You know, and, you know, you can have reasons for that. But, but they've tried to promote and work with the United Nations, at least to come up with some solutions to the situation, which none of them have been able to become implemented. Why do we think that this, what prompted, or not prompted, but why did they strike now? Well, I why think, did Hamas I strike think now? this is my thought. Your opinion. I think the U.S. and Saudi Arabia were getting close to a peace deal. Right. And the last thing they wanted was a stabilized relationship between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That's the last thing, you know, Hezbollah, you know, in the Lebanon area and who also were sworn terror. I mean, they're identified right. as terrorists by the United eradicate. Nations and all that. And that's the last thing they wanted was the U.S. to start establishing, I mean, Israel starting to establish closer ties and better relationships and a peace agreement with the Saudi Arabia. So I think that led to it. They gave some other reasons for it. Maybe that's true also. They got fed up and whatever. But also, I think there is a, a military strategy that has kind of worked for... Um, groups like this. It worked in Afghanistan and it worked in Iraq, which is force them into a ground war. ISIS, right. You know, the Israeli is clearly militarily superior in terms of missiles and aircraft and all that sort of stuff. But you put 50,000 men in Gaza on the ground facing, you know, X amount of Palestinians, it's more equal. Right. It's a more equal war. So I think it's a little bit of baiting them into a ground war, which they can have a, a better, you know, they have more leverage than they have with the kind of attack where they send a few missiles over and then all of a sudden. But Israel's know, not keen on fighting a ground war. No, because they understand hitting, this. If I understand this, they understand They're it, right? striking from the air. Yeah, but it's very, very complicated. I mean, you got Iran sitting there who we get oil from and we're trying to appease to some extent. And yesterday on national television, um, you know, Khomeini, their leader, said, and I quote, I'm from television, we kiss the hands of those who planned the attack on the Zionist regime. Zionist. Yeah. Right. And it's not a Zionist regime, but it's, but I mean, we kiss the hands. I mean, that's, you know, pretty, a pretty strong political statement. And as we speak, our president, President Biden, is headed over to Israel in a very strong show of support right. for Israel. And just for purposes of, of, of kind of uh, leveling the playing field, if you will, Israel is our greatest ally, certainly in the Middle East, but probably in the world mm -hmm. as a country. So this show of support is intended to not only send a message to the rest of the world, right. but also to Iran that... And we've moved Don't some, get too close. And we've moved some aircraft carrier and other military ships into the region. But as we're speaking today, and it'll be clarified by the time Sunday, there was an attack on a hospital in Palestine and 500 people were killed, reportedly. I saw that. And, the, and so there's a lot of 
There's a lot of chatter about all that. And the, the Palestinians, Hamas says it was, a, it was an attack by Israel. Israel claims that there was a misguided missiles from their side of the, uh, of the conflict that landed on the hospital. And it hasn't been resolved yet. And as a result of this lack of clarity, and the U.S. has said they don't know who did it. But at this point... What technology is Hamas using for things like that? Well, they is that don't Russian have, technology? Is that Iranian? What? It's, it's Russian, probably through Iran and that sort of stuff. Chinese, right. perhaps. You know, and so as a result of that, the reason I mention that is because uh, the the, uh, the Palestinian leadership was going to meet with Biden, and now they've canceled because it was as a result of this attack. And of course, there's some sabotage. Yeah, there's some concern about really who did it. Who you know? Now we also do know that uh, Hamas has a strategy of putting their military operations in schools and hospitals and, you know, residential complexes and all that sort of stuff. So they don't care that much about collateral damage. Right. You know, Using we don't put any shields. of our military bases, you know, downtown New York City. Right. Right. The equivalent. Yeah. They, you know. They're using humans as shields. The other is thing is doing. that we're looking at this from, from a uh, sort of a distance and you see, well, 1,400. Doesn't sound like a lot of people on the Israeli side that got killed in that attack. But if you do a statistical comparison, based 1,400 out of 9 million would be like 300,000 people in the United States got killed. Right. With our population. Yeah, proportionally. I mean, it's a big number when you only have 9 million people. Arnie, zoom out for a second. We talked a little bit about Russia, Iran, some of the, some of the countries that might be pulling the strings. Yeah. Right. What, what, what's, your, what's your assessment in terms of China, Russia, Iran, are they just in support of Iran right now? Because we know that that's happening. Yeah. Right. I think it serves their political agenda to have a conflict there in Israel. Attracted. You know, you notice there aren't too many Ukrainian headlines in the paper the last right. few weeks. Right. I mean, this is a ma- massive, beside the human rights issues, which are staggering, beside the historic precedent for all of this, there are multiple political agendas that this helps carry out. Even in the United States, there are people that are going to run for office and are going to show their great support for Israel and then ask the Jewish community to fund their political campaigns. I mean, this is, you know, this is a reality. This is just the world we live in at this particular point in time. Okay. Let's, so we talk, let's talk a little bit about, we've talked about policy and certainly what U.S.'s policy is, and now we're talking about the geopolitical aspects of it. Now you're talking about the domestic political aspects of it. Right. How do you square or how do you assess a situation where you have a conservative party who 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there would be not even a question of what the, whether there's support for Israel or Ukraine. Right. Why has that eroded? Why has that become a, a question? Because the political parties now are so um, removed from one another. The lack of partisanship is so Never in my lifetime have I thought that if Biden supports something, they're against it, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it's good well, or bad. The extreme, the extreme edges of the party are, but right. not the moderates. Yeah, but who, there are no, I think they're going to elect Jim Jordan. And if they elect Jim Jordan, Speaker of the House, there are no moderates left. Even though <laughs> the, the, the left wing, or the right wing of the Republican Party is only 4%. You know, I believe in moderation, but people are afraid to go against the— Trump. The Trump people. 
But do you think he were, at the the time of this taping, he's already lost one vote, but he's now trying to gin up some more support? Right. I mean, it's it's become it's become so you know uh, pushed, you know, polarized and marginalized in in terms of what's going on that you can't stand in the middle anymore. You get cut caught in the crossfire. Right. There's no middle ground in politics at this point. And they've tried some bar. There's some bipartisanship in totally you know. Areas that I mean, you know, that are just so mundane, like building roads or bridges. But if it's healthcare, there are anti-vaxxers and vaxxers, and they don't want money to go for abortion. I mean, it's just become so, you know, issue-oriented and and so, uh, you know, um, separated by a lot of anger and a lot of misinformation about lots of things. You know, and I'm sure there are listeners who say, you know, what I'm saying isn't isn't accurate. And I, again, I, some of it's my beliefs, but a lot of it, you know, are the well, facts of the situation. So we talk about the domestic political aspects. There's also a very real economic aspect to speaking, you know, or challenging the United States' support or Biden's support of Ukraine and Israel. Right. And that is to raise funds because you're ginning up. The, the the edges, right? The, 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 right. The, right the, uh, well, the edges are pushing the middle out. They're squeezing them out like a tube of toothpaste. You grab both edges of the toothpaste, the middle comes out. And, the, and, and in this particular case, just like in the Ukraine, actually, it is much more complicated than anybody real—98% of the people out there don't know what Hezbollah is and that there's a different agenda right on the, you know, on the uh, northern border of Israel— with the Shiite Islamist group, the Shiite or Shiites, right. who are in conflict with Sunnis, <laughs> and you know, they're uh, there is clear that their political purpose also is to clear out the, the Jews out of the area. You know, we've never been in a war. We never said when we had a civil war here, we're going to kill everybody in the South and drive them all out, right? Right. We never said in any of the wars that we went to. We didn't clear out Germany. We didn't right. do it. We, you know, we dropped a bomb, you know, a serious bomb in Japan, but we didn't kill. We didn't decide not to do a scorch earth and kill all the Japanese. Right. You know, they've uncovered over the years plans to just drive the nine million Jews right into the ocean and kill them all and take it over. You know, and it 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 becomes complicated because you don't understand all these fractionalized groups. But the point that I want to make and what I do believe, that this would not be happening. There would be cooler heads that would prevail. And the Saudi Arabian peace movement with Israel was allowing some of the cooling off to happen. And it's not in the political agenda of most of the rest of, the, of that world, the Arab world to have a cooling off. Right. They want this to be a, you know, a laboratory to show off. And I really do believe that... If they lose two million people and they get what they want, it's worth it to them. And what, getting what they want means what? A state. eradication of Israel, right? An eradication of Israel. So just let's let's just pause at that moment, right? They're talking about an eradication, not only of a country and people of a country, but then a religion, right? They want to eradicate the religion. So what happens if you play this out? If they're able to achieve what they want to achieve in Israel, what does that mean for the rest of the world? Well, it means that they, they, they've had some, you know, certainly Iran and Iraq have had the same attitude towards eradicating the United States. Right. You know, the West. The West. You know, it is, a, it is a fundamentalist religious battle that is not unlike the, you know, Middle Ages, you know, and the Crusades. 
This is a crusade. This is a religious belief that my God is the right God, your God is the wrong God, and your beliefs are wrong, and your policies and your attitudes about the world is wrong, and the only way we can get what we want is by getting rid of you. Right. And now we have seen as a repercussion, this this conflict is 12 days old. You've already seen a young six-year-old um, Islamic boy killed in Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago, by the parents' landlord who right. said, I'm going to kill um, Muslims. Right. right? And in, for the Jewish Americans, you've seen a ton of synagogue uh, security being beefed up because of death threats and bomb threats. So the, the, the permission that this conflict gives to the fringe, the fringes in our country, right? It's right. like a green light. It's like it's time to hunt on both. Sure. You know. Sure. I mean, since the Yom Kippur War of 1973, Jews and Muslims. Israel has signed peace treaties with Egypt. They've returned the Sinai Peninsula. They didn't have to do that. They did that. You know, they, uh, they signed agreements with Jordan, and they normalized relationship with several other Arab countries. But this Israeli-Palestinian conflict continues because I, it doesn't get normalized. It continues and, and because I think it's the, the political laboratory for the, the movement that believes in uh, the Israel's destruction. The, they five, gotta, the 498 million versus the 9 million. Right. Talk a little bit about the Abraham Accords and how that was done under Trump and why people feel that that, because that went, it was erased or reversed, that this is what contributed to this. I don't, I, there have been a number of accords. And again, it's, all, it's hard for me to believe that that was their justification for it. I really, really do believe that, um, the things that they claim, the attack on the hospital in, in Jerusalem and all that, that's been going on for a long, long time. They said they got fed up. So what got them fed up this time? The, US, the Israeli deal that was coming close to being done with Saudi Arabia. That's, that, that got them to distract everybody from the peace. They don't want peace. Right. They don't I want mean, peace. I mean, yeah, I just don't see it, you know, and I can, you know, I can hear people who, you know, let me, let me, let me just add in here. I don't support killing Palestinian children and, and, and innocent Neither people. Neither do I. You know, I just, I, I don't. I wish there was an easy way out. I don't know what it is. They've offered all kinds of accords. And, and the, the one state and two states solution, which everybody talks about, is one or the other. And we support, the U.S. at least at this point, supports the two-state solution. I think both of them are completely fraught with problems. You know, it's hard to combine and make it, in that small area, make one country out of a group of nine million people, and then two that don't speak the same language, don't have the same religious beliefs, have a completely different perspective on, you know, on human rights and you know religious freedom and the rights of women and all that sort of stuff, and how you just shake them up in one shaker and pour them out, and it's a, it, it works. But but in Israel, you tell us is zoom back in. I'll- Arabs and Israelis cohabitate and live peacefully next to each other. Yeah, in if Israel. you walk around Jerusalem, you can see Arabs and, and, and Jews living together uh, peacefully. But those are Arabs that have rejected the, you know, ortho- the, the dogma orthodoxy. of the right. uh, you know, orthodoxy of the sworn to Israel's destruction. You know, I mean, you can't get around that. If, you know, I've never heard anybody in Israel say we're sworn to the destruction of the Arabian world. Right. 
you know, and Israel has nuclear capability. I mean, if they wanted to, they'd probably go ahead and, you know, could do it. What, what, so Biden going over there again, as we record right. this, he's headed over there. What's his, what's the aimed goal? What's the stated goal that Blinken and he have by him going? Well, there? at least at one point they, they were going to talk to both sides, but now they're only talking to one side. I think it's to try to figure out how to avoid further conflict, how to tone this down somehow. You know, at this point, it's finger pointing. You, you can't even go back to the beginning. It's like when you're when I've been in Northern Ireland, they talk about somebody who killed somebody, you know, right. from the Catholic community who killed a Protestant person a hundred years ago, and they're still angry about it. It, it. it doesn't do any good to say to deal with who started it and who's right and who's wrong. Right. I mean, how do you get out of it? And as I said, the best we've come up with are two options, neither of which, you know, uh, look like they can work. So we're we're so and zoom out again a little further. Yeah. The the reason why this conflict and everything that the world is all eyes are on this right now is you have a superpower in China that's just waiting for an opportunity to get up, go after Taiwan. Right. right? You have what's going on in Russia with the Ukraine, right? And yep. so and what? let's not forget what's going on in Africa, right. you know, still going on in Afghanistan. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Right. There's a lot of conflict going on. And we, the United States, did we take our eye off the ball? Did we decelerate kind of – remember, we have been seen and have been known as the, the, the world's police, right? We're trying to keep peace. Well, there's a lot of people in Congress who are nationalistic and don't want us to be engaged in, in things outside the United States. There are many congressmen who don't want us giving aid to Ukraine and let them you know, fall where things why, 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 though? Because well, think don't they so. see the, the, the longer-term impact? Well, on I'm, not, I'm not sure that everybody in Congress are the smartest tools in the shed. And they, you know, they do what they think is going to keep them personally in office and help them raise money and what their constituents tell them. And, you know, for those that are Trump followers, look at what Trump tells them. For those that are Biden followers, they look at what Biden tells them. They don't think in their own, look into their own mind and their own hearts about what's right for themselves, their families, the world. They're looking, you know, I know people say I would never vote for a Republican. I, Republicans say I'll never vote right. for a Democrat. I, I heard the Democrats say I'll vote for a dead Biden over, you know, any, you know over Trump. a live Trump. I mean, it's gotten that, that strong. Which you is know? crazy. I mean, look at, I mean, you go and see things and you see that, uh, you know, Barack Obama and, uh, and, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter, when he was more mobile than he is now, and Bill Clinton would hang around with, uh, you know, Republicans that were, you know, former leaders and former president. They liked the Bushes. They joke around with the Bushes. And Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr. got to be very close friends. And, I mean, you can't imagine beat Trump being friends with anybody on the Democratic side. At all. And most Democrats don't want to be friends with him. I don't think he has any friends. <laughs> but isn't but isn't this, so? Which is so crazy because really, it's we're we are of the media. This right. is so much a a challenge and an opportunity for media to communicate facts. Well, it's hard because no one, everybody thinks the facts that they don't agree with are not facts. Are not facts, right? And the problem is, is that when you think of like a Marjorie Taylor Greene in her district or in Georgia. No one's thinking of the Hezbollah, Hamas, Israel, right. Gaza. Or you have Muslim Democrats who are, you know, sympathetic to what's happening in Palestine. I understand that. And then there's a great reaction from the Democratic side of things as well. Right, 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 right. You know, it's not crystal clear. And it's, you know, and then. You're talking and you, about um, uh, uh, Talib. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but the but the thing is, is that we are talking about this, and we are in a college town. We are not from here. We, this is our interests are beyond just Missoula right. and Montana. But there are a lot of people, you know, around the country, certainly between the coasts, that this doesn't even register with them. No. At all. A lot of people that i This is a I've dog t- whistle. To talk about this is a dog whistle to say them versus us. Look what they want us to right. do with and your on, money. And also a number of people have just dropped out of paying attention to this because it's just so op- oppressive in terms of being on you 24 hours a day. You click on social media, click on news feeds or whatever, and you just get bombarded with stuff. And no matter what the perspective that somebody has, there's an opposite perspective, and they're not, and they're not equally valid. Knowing that people see something on social media and process it for 1.8 seconds and then move on. So they don't even absorb right. it. Right. I mean, I've heard a number of times saying your facts are seconds. equal to my opinion. Right. <laughs> the facts of the situation are equal. Like in COVID was a perfect example. Yeah. Right. You know, I know I know uh, very good friends of mine who are suffering long COVID now, and it's not a flu, and it's not, and they took the precautions. Right. So, you know, we don't know even know how many people are, you know, I heard there were 170,000 people in the hospital in the United States with COVID at this very moment. You know, still. people say you're still anti, you know, taking science. Te- yeah, anti-science. So, yeah. so we have the media that is, uh, to your point, my opinion is, my fact is your opinion, right? Right. In, in a sense. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on with respect to the conflict, Hamas, and college campuses and groups within the United States are thinking that Israel is to blame for this. They provoke this. This is all has to do with their conservative approach to, you know, um, the humanitarian issues around Palestinians. Right. And that this is a response to that. Right. How do you parse through that? It's, it's, not, it's not easy. I mean, Harvard just... Right. And, you know, one of their largest donors, the richest person in Israel, stepped off their board as a result of it. You know, it's both on the liberal end and the conservative end. There are concerns about how colleges, you know, there are things that happen as a as a reaction to free speech and being able to share any opinion out there and making an argument for something that is factual or factless and this conflict is very complicated, and it's hard to choose sides, particularly for somebody who's 19 years old or 20 years old, never been in the military, maybe never traveled anywhere in the world, and, you know, is, is concerned about what's going on. And nobody wants to see children slaughtered. Right. You know, and what is the I – mean, let's, let's just say they're, they're, they're concerned, they're supporting the Palestinians. Okay, you support the Palestinians. You support Hamas, whose sworn goal is the destruction of Israel. Right. So how do you well, – what's your solution? How do you square that? Yeah, what, do you, what is your solution? Make the Palestinians a separate state? Well, the two-state solution does that to a large degree, but not completely. The two-state solution would have Jerusalem um, as and, the, and Israel's open to the two-state solution. Yes, they are, although uh, – uh, and Less more and more so people – well, the one-state solution also they were open to, but I think they're moving away. The two-state solution is the best, and people are moving away even from the two-state solution to say, you know, there's no solution. I mean, we've got to come up with something better. The two-state solution had Jerusalem as the home. These two states were going to be part of the same entity. Right. You know, it's like if the United States only had two states. Right. 
Jerusalem was going to be the home. The west side, I think, of Jerusalem was going to be the Israeli government, and the east side was going to be the Palestinian government. Right. And you had free immigration back and forth between the two, you know, the two sides, and you had all of these other democratic liberties that Israel is used to. They're not going to give up their democracy. They fought so hard for. They're not right. going to become an undemocratic state. And the Palestinian side is not that. Its culture, its religion, its history doesn't lend itself well to a democratically run operation. And so it's been very hard to work out the details of how would this work. Would you still allow free immigration of Arabs into the country from wherever? You could bring in 20 million Arabs and just clog everything up if it was completely open. Right. Or do you let 150,000 Jews in from wherever they want to come in, which is, you know, the birthright thing. Right. Any Jew in the world birthright. can come there. Are you going to get a, go away with that? It's those kinds of issues right. that keep a, a solution like that from gaining a lot from of happening. traction. Tell, so from your unique perspective, yeah. being former head of the World Trade Center here at the university and having being very familiar with the business and the technology uh, from Israel— how is this, what's the financial impact that this is all going to have on, on the business well, that it's, it's we do and the rest of the world does with Israel? All right, well, you know, this is a strategy, a bit of it, to hurt Israel, beside the paragliders and all that stuff. Nobody's going to go there now on vacation for the next, you know, until some of this Tourism is resolved. Tourism, dead. particularly with 29, million, 29 Americans being killed. Sure. Um, it, 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 it'll have a staggering economic toll. And frankly, I think the the actors who are involved with Hamas on this like that. Right. You know, we're suffering. We're going to make you suffer. You know, and they are suffering. You know, they're running out of water. There's all this other kind of stuff. But that is the decision of their leadership to right. create that right. environment. You know, and it's very difficult to, to figure out what do you do? You give them their freedom? Right. You just say you're... You, they don't want a freedom. They don't want to have democratic elections. I mean, if you're in control, if the United Nations came in, right. they would say you have to have democratic elections. These guys don't know what democratic elections are. They don't have democratic elections. They're going to say women are equal to men. They don't, that's not part of their, their culture and their society. You know, everybody has to go to school to the age of 12, you know, whatever. The things that would be mandated on a country that was going to be a democracy, the world wants— the United Nations wants democracy. The world community wants to see democracies. We want to see democracies. It's in our interest. It is in our interest. Well, now let's talk real quickly about the 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 Bibi Netanyahu and and really what this conflict has done uh, domestically in Israel to bring divergent groups because there was a lot of problems right well, before yeah. I mean, this he happened. Was, he was charged with felonies and, you know, the government was, had to have a, uh, you know, no confidence vote. And w but the opposition party said they're suspending any right. attacks. To all working together. Yeah, well, when you're at war, you do that, you, yeah. generally. In the United States, same thing. We're not going to go crazy. And, you know, the, the only variation from that was in the Vietnam War when people realized ultimately right. that it was, it was built upon fraudulent data and fraudulent information and we couldn't win it and we needed to get out of it. We shouldn't have been in it in the first place. You right. know, and, you know, it started under Kennedy and then Lyndon Johnson, and then you know, but, you know, Nixon had his hands on it. So, so, so Israel suspending kind of that that yeah, we're calling a moratorium. A moratorium. On this. But in the United States, 
the extremes of the right are not. They're no. actually politicizing every aspect of this. Of course, because it's in their, people do that when it's in their interest to do it. But is it really in their interests? Well, I don't know, but they think it is. And that's more important. So it's a short-term dopamine hit of fundraising. Right. I mean, in the world, in the real world of American history, right. it would be, you know, a low point for democracy to elect Jim Jordan Speaker of the House. You know, after such great speakers on both sides were, were men of stature, they were statesmen. Right. You know, Jim Jordan is a wrestling coach who, you know, discredited wrestling coach. Right. Is going to become Speaker of the House of Representatives. I mean. I find that so hard to believe. Well, it's just, it's, 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 it is just a indictment of what's going on here. Right. And we like to ignore that. But it's going on everywhere. Didn't New Zealand just elected its most conservative? Yeah. Well, government. there's always a yin and a yang. There's a difference between, cons- look. Conservative in Canada, conservative in, in New Zealand right, is like a, a Democrat here. <laughs> I mean, th- their extreme is very, very small and doesn't carry weight, uh, you know, as much weight as, uh, you know, minority control here. Yeah. So Arnie and Arnie and I are talking all things, all things Israel on the show this week. No guests. We are each other's guests. Arnie, in our remaining minutes, talk a little bit about how you feel. Right. Being a Jewish American. And what do you want your community to know? Sure. Um, and. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk now to I'm going to ask bit. you the same question. Sure. So I'm not a religious fanatic. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not a Zionist. Um, I have been pro-Israel um, because as a result of losing relatives and others in the Holocaust. Right. I believe they needed a homeland to go to. And I think we've talked about this before. There were other options at the time they were considering. They were considering a piece of land in uh, Africa and the Gold Coast to be the state of Israel, right. which might have made things a little bit easier. It's across an ocean from most of the Arab world. Right. But uh, the conservative at the time, rabbis uh, of Israel wanted Palestine. Right. They wanted you right. know the home, the birthplace of uh, the religion to be part of their land. So uh, they, they kowtowed or caved into uh, the most conservative squeaky wheel. Um, Do you feel like our community here in Missoula, um, we're in a college town, so we have the benefit of having a lot of educated, we have leaders, right. we have the intelligentsia, right, to have a dialogue and to have a community forum on this? Because I think people aren't, interested or they have they're very disinterested in hearing about this and yeah. so i almost feel like i have to bring it up to have a conversation well about they it. because they don't know how they really feel about it and they feel like if they have to, if they always support the jews then there's some weird agenda going on there right you know but if they support the palestinians then there's sort of an arab support i mean it it becomes it becomes fractionalized from really what's going on i mean if you if you took the whole history away from all of this right. and the complications of Sunnis and Shiites and Hezbollah and Hamas and all and just said, you got 9 million people here and 2 million people here and they're different cultures and they all, and they, you know, these 2 million don't want to leave and the 9 million don't want to leave. And what would you do? You come up with some solution. Right. Some compromises. Yeah. You'd say, okay, you know, you, we build a bridge and, you know, we build, you know, you know, a border and you have crossings and, you know, you have, you govern yourself and we govern ourselves, and, you know, 
And they've tried to promote something like that, but it's hard to be the magnanimous one. If you're Israel, you're on the, uh, you know, you have a lot at stake. You built a country in the middle of nowhere. When you fly into Israel, desert, 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 you're flying in, all of a sudden there's this oasis in the middle of it. I mean, they made it into a country that grows, you know, the largest amount of cherry tomatoes in the world, and they have desalization plants, and they have an educated population, and, you know, and then you have the oppressed, you know, the people in Palestine are oppressed. Right. They're there. They can't get out. None of the other Arab world countries will take them. They're stuck there facing, you know, against uh, these other folks. And, and you got you got their government run by uh, an organization that's sworn to Israel's destruction. I mean, it is an untenable situation. It truly is. You know, so I know community forums, if you, if you, if you share that with them, someone's going to say, oh, you know, the Jews are taking advantage of it. I put something on social media just, you know, in general about this. And somebody wrote me back and said, you know, the rich Jews are oppressing these people and they're making them. I mean, they had a just completely right. warped perspective on this, a delusional perspective on what's going on. I you think know. we have to be really careful. Well, and of As course, if country. you look at it a one-year period, one of the groups has been worse to the other group than the you know than in the two years prior to that. I mean, you can't you can't just take a snapshot now and right. say who you know, point fingers and say look what these guys did or what these guys did. You know, but Arnie, do you feel like so we know this to be true? Yeah. This is a fact. Anti-Semitism has been on the rise certainly over the last six, seven, eight years. Yeah. Right. For you know, right. it's been permissive. Yes, uh, somehow. Um, but this only so this is not an isolated incident. No, this is just the well, culmination. There's a, and there's a blown up perspective on this in terms of you know the uh, you know how Jews control all these industries. Eight billion people in the world. We have sixteen million. Right. We're not controlling the world. Right. We're not controlling the United States. We have a country in Israel. We're not even controlling that because you're not, you know they can't they can't fit. Right. So, this anti-Semitism against such a small religious group is based on mostly fears of, you know, of disproportionate, you know, weight. Right. You know, I've run into anti-Semitism in my life, and and uh, um, it's just it's not logical. Right. I mean, I don't pick it's out emotional. Right. I mean, you know, you may make fun of, you know, people make fun of, you know, people, Christian scientists, you know, or, or Mormons. Right. They did Orthodoxy. Book of Mormons or Orthodoxy of any kind. You, right. can make, you can make a little fun. There are some stereotypes, you know, that are out there. But I mean, in 1515, you know, Shakespeare had a play in which, you know, the money grubber was Shylock, a Jew. Right. You know, and Jews did get into. As we all know, you, you know, my mother wanted me to be a doctor. They, right. they pushed their children to be educated, educated and to succeed, successful. Right. You know, and, and other other religions do that too. But it, it just seems that we get we get, you know, attacked for succeeding. Right. As a religion, we're not unlike you know high educated Chinese. They all want to go to MIT. They right. want to be in technology. They want to have their family support. I was going to say them. the Asian community. The it's very American similar. community is similar to the Jewish right, community. but they don't get attacked in the same way. They have their own issues to deal with. Right, but they yes. have a whole bunch of other issues. But as as Tevya and Fiddler on the Roof said, I know you were your chosen people, but could you choose somebody else once in a while, <laughs> <Poor> God? <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Back after this, back Arnie with our final minute on our our dialogue. Yeah, I wish I could wave a magic wand over the Middle East and, and straighten all this stuff out, but it's 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 not going to happen, you know. And unless 
unless there's a, you know, improvements just step by step. This is a process. They call it a peace process. There's not a peace plan. There's not a peace, uh, 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 you know, a peace goal. It's a process because you're mixing two puzzle pieces or a number of puzzle pieces that just don't fit easily together. How do you think this all plays domestically? How do we, as a country, do we come together around this? I don't because think this it's... is a threat. Well, it hasn't been to our peace, right. to our peace, to yeah. our domestic safety. Well, because what happens is it it does it is a threat, but then you have to have not just Jewish American. No, all. no, right, right. It could escalate. It could you know it could be bombings. It could lead to a world right. war. The problem is because of the polarization in politics. If you pick one side, a certain percentage are going to go with the other side. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be some in our interest to come together to work out a solution that both sides can agree to, even though the other side has never agreed to any, you know, under the whole reign of Arafat up to now, they've never agreed to any plan that was put on the table. I don't know how you do it. Okay, well, we're asking more questions than we are giving answers. That's a good place to end today's conversation. I appreciate you having it. Hey, thanks, Scott. I appreciate us having the time to talk about it. Okay, see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. 